Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, hello. My name is Scott McKinnon. I'm a pastor here at River Life Baptist Church. And um, yeah, I've been working at River Life for a couple of years now, uh, only a few months ago, um, jumped over to be a pastor. And um, yeah, it's been awesome. I love this church. I've grown up in this church, been discipled by people in this church. Um, and one of the, the things that I've struggled with at this church if I can be real, from the get-go, is this idea of presence. You might be aware that we are a family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and to demonstrate Christ's kingdom. And uh, presence is right up the very front of that, uh, that vision statement. And I remember when I first started working here at River Life, um, or Kenmore actually at the time, I remember having a conversation with Pastor Nick Riddell, who was leading us tonight, and uh, Pastor Nick, the, uh, an, another pastor here at River Life for the Young Adults, and we had this conversation around presence. We were looking at what we could do with the youth ministry and uh, the curriculum that we would teach into, and uh, this topic came up. And uh, it, was pretty, uh, it was pretty different, uh, the perspectives that we were having as we had this conversation. Uh, the Knicks had just come back from a mission trip to Honduras, and they were seeing signs and wonders and miracles And uh, I was back here in Brisbane putting my feet up uh, because I just had knee recon surgery and uh, I was totally, totally bedridden or couch ridden. And uh, I was disappointed in God because they were telling me that I could be healed. They had seen miracles and signs and wonders. And I was back here in Brizzy uh, not experiencing that healing uh, as well. And so we had this conversation, and I was pressing. Where's the biblical basis for presence? I wonder if people have have had the similar thought uh, today. Uh, I was pressing, and I couldn't get this answer, and there was this divide in this room, and, uh, you know, it was hours long, this conversation. Hopefully my message won't go for hours uh, tonight. But I want to talk about God's presence. Because I think this, this word is so important for us as a church, And it's so important for us uh, as Christians and believers in our world. In fact, I'm convinced that the structures of the world and not even intentionally, but the structures of our church are failing us without the presence of God. So I want to try and help explain some of this tonight. And uh, there are many aspects to this uh, word presence. I could not talk about all of them tonight, unfortunately. There's so many different attributes uh, to this word presence. But I want to kind of work through three different kind of words and elements to presence. Firstly, I want to talk about God's omnipresence, which is God's presence in creation. Then I want to talk about Um, regeneration, which is God's presence in salvation. And then thirdly, I want to talk about empowerment, which is God's presence in living. Okay, so that's what we're going to do tonight. And uh, so even just at the short intro, when I say presence, does it excite you or does it make you nervous? 
Because for many years, that word made me very nervous. And I'm hoping that uh, tonight, as a church, uh, we can begin to press in and step in more and more into this word, presence. So firstly, God's omnipresence. God's presence in creation. What is that? What am I talking about? You might have heard this word called omnipresence before. Omni simply means all, and presence means presence. Uh, It means uh, God's presence uh, with us. So God, theologically speaking, is omnipresent. And what I mean by that is He is everywhere. He is everywhere. In fact, it says in Genesis chapter 1 that He created the heavens and the earth. And humanity, our role in this, we were actually created to enjoy His presence. What a beautiful story. God creating the world, inviting us into that place of intimacy. He created the world and then created humanity to enjoy his presence. But only a few pages later, if you've read the creation story, you'd be aware of this, that humanity tries to leave God's presence. In uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we read where Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of God walking in the Garden of Eden. And it says here, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. The first reaction of guilt and fear and shame is to flee from God's presence, to run and to hide from the very presence of God. And from that moment on, Throughout all humanity's history, people have been running and disappearing and hiding themselves from the presence of God. It's passed on to their children, Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain and Abel are the first uh, kind of sons of the world. And Cain kills Abel. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 4. Cain kills Abel. Again, a long story. Don't have time to go into it. God puts a mark on Cain as as a way of showing his mercy. And check what Cain says in Genesis chapter 4. It says here that, the, that his punishment, Cain, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Now you might be thinking, surely it's that he's just, you know, killed his, his brother. Or maybe it's that his parents have disappointed him in, in him for failing or something. The punishment for Cain that is worse, the greatest thing that he can bear... Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your presence I shall be hidden. Cain saw that the worst punishment of all for him was that he would be pressed away from God's presence, the very presence of God. And I think we're much better off on this side of the cross to understand this, but I don't think Cain quite understood that God was all present. He's omnipresent. He's in all creation. His presence is in all of creation. Joe and I were uh, reading through and explaining uh, the book of uh, Jonah in our Bible Streams podcast. If you want to know more about the Bible, jump in. uh, Android, Apple, subscribe. We're working through the Minor Prophets at the moment. We're actually going to jump into the book of Jonah the next couple of weeks at church as well. But we were looking in, in uh, in this book, Jonah, And Jonah does the same thing as Cain. He does the same thing. He gets given an assignment, 
and then he doesn't want to um, do his assignment, which we're going to find out about next week. And so he tries to run and flee from the presence of the Lord, but I don't think he knew that he couldn't escape God's presence. And this is challenging for us, and it's very good news for us, because the reality is we cannot escape God's presence. It is impossible to escape God's presence. One person who did understand this omnipresence of God, even in the Old Testament, was King David. King David understood this well. It says this in Psalm 139. It explains it so well. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Did you hear it? Did you even feel it perhaps? There's nowhere that you can escape God's presence. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. In fact, Paul would say in Colossians 1, that not only does God exist in all creation, He created all things, and He's the one who sustains all things. He holds everything together. You cannot escape God's presence. He is omnipresent. So the question is, why do we try and escape God's presence? Why do we try and escape Him if He's everywhere. While God is everywhere, he seems to act in certain moments throughout history in very special ways. In fact, it could be said that while he is present everywhere, he is omnipresent, he is extra present or uh, he at least acts in a certain way, in a more significant manner, in certain areas. So take, for example, some Old Testament situations. Take, for example, uh, Solomon's uh, temple, or even the tabernacle. There are moments in history where God seems to pour out some glorious presence uh, into the tabernacle. And I just imagine the, the worshippers are singing and uh, this glory kind of cloud comes down. You can read about it in First uh, and Second Samuel if you want. Um, this glory kind of comes down and, and all the worshippers go down, all the priests are on the floor because God seems to be extra present in that situation. Or take even the Ark of the Covenant. There seems to be this presence that rests upon the Ark of the Covenant and that becomes very, very special and very, very important for uh, the Israelite community as they repent and as they turn towards God. So there's some Old Testament uh, situations. What about us? We're not kind of like that. We have, we have a better understanding of God. We've got a clearer picture of what He's like. I want to make the point tonight that God's presence is especially an extra, extra present in the act of salvation. Jesus is not the only one who saves us. Wait, what? What did you say? Why are you a pastor and why did River Life hire you if you're saying that? 
Jesus alone is not the only one who saves us. Bit of heresy for you. I want to make the point that the presence of the Lord is very much involved in the act of salvation. Okay, so a question to you. Did you come to God first or did God come to you first? Were you the one who were brought into salvation, into understanding Jesus Christ is the Lord? Did you come to him first or did he come to you first? What do you think? Have a think. Who came first? Did he come to you? Now, this has been argued over history for many, many centuries. People have um, you know, spent long hours, more than we have tonight, to talk about this. But I believe that it's clearly God who comes to us first. God walks into our lives before we walk into his. And this can be explained in this big word called regeneration. Regeneration. Uh, this is where God acts and his presence is very close to us. And you might be saying, what the heck is all this, this talking about? This is a bit technical. This has gone over my head. But when I say, what I want to um, get across is that it is the Father through the Holy Spirit who draws us to Jesus the Son. God is all there and all present in this beautiful act of salvation. And God's presence is especially there. This is explained very beautifully in John chapter 3. Now you might be thinking, John chapter 3, I know that one. I know John chapter 3 verse 16. It is a beautiful verse. For God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. How good. That's a salvation message. That's a salvation text. That's about being saved. How good. Jesus is the one who does that. Jesus was sent in the world, into the world. Have you read uh, a few verses before John 3.16? John 3, 1 to 7 is all about what I'm trying to explain here in regeneration, where his presence comes into your life. Read about it in John 3, 3 to 7. Jesus replies to this Pharisee Nicodemus, and he says this, Very truly, I tell you, no one can come to see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, I can very much empathize with Nicodemus here. <laughs> uh, I just had a baby girl, Marley Jane. Uh, she's three months old. And I can very much empathize with Nicodemus. Ah, oh, there she is. Because Jesus here is saying, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, no, that, that baby is not going back. It's not happening. And I can attest that Marley is growing at an exceptional rate. And soon enough, she's going to be a youth or a young adult, or she's not going back. So what do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean? I've got to be born again. 
Here simply, Jesus is saying, you can't first come to God. You can't come to him unless you are born of the Spirit. Unless you're born of the Spirit. Theologian Wayne Grudem notes this, talking about regeneration, that it is a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life into us. That's right. Before we even become saved, before John 3.16, there is an act where his presence smashes into your life and you are born again. And that happens prior to even being saved. Jesus was right. You might, you might think, well, surprise, surprise, of course he's right. Jesus was right when he was saying this. He said to Nicodemus, you shouldn't be surprised by this. Because it was actually through the prophet Ezekiel that this very regenerative work was spoken. In Ezekiel chapter 36, we read this. A new heart I will give to you, and a a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. God has promised to put his spirit within us. And so hear this. Every time we reject the presence of God, we discount our salvation. Every time we reject his presence, we discount the salvation that he has given to us so freely. His presence is at work and has been at work ever since you became a Christian. You know, back to, back to creation, back to Genesis. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they were thrown out, God placed uh, a few angels at the entrance, at the gate to the, um, to the Garden of Eden to guard against every reattempted entry. From Adam on, if everyone, if anybody, sorry, wanted to enter the presence of God, they would have to enter through this gate. They would have to pass through the sword and the fire of the angels. No man could return to the feast in his presence unless he first died. And this is why at baptism, we celebrate the death of our old selves and the rebirth, the rebirth into Jesus who has raised us, the rebirth into him. So God's presence is, has been there ever since creation. Ever since creation. God's presence is especially present in the act of salvation. Thirdly, God's presence is found in our lives through our Christian living. And I want to call this empowerment. Empowerment. Hands up. Actually, if you have a youth merch shirt on. Can you stand up? Because this explains it really well. Anyone in the room? I know Sam Mansfield does. Anyone? Oh, uh, no, they're all the wrong ones. Sorry. (laughs) Sam Mansfield, if we could get a camera to you, that would be perfect. But it's all right. We we don't have to. Um, Empowerment. 
This is a beautiful thing in our Christian lives where His presence comes in and moves us and draws us closer to Him, yes, but also closer to others in a very beautiful way. I think too many Christians are born of the Spirit but are not filled with the Spirit. A lot of us, in fact, hands up, if you would say you are born of the Spirit, if you're a Christian, if you're a fellow believer, sister, brother in Christ, cool, cool, we've got a lot of people. You guys are all born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit to come to know Jesus. But I wonder how many of us are living lives full of the Spirit. And I'll be the first to say that this has not been my life story some of the time. Totally. I've been a Christian for too long. You know, like, I grew up pretty well. I've been at this church for 20 years this year. Like, so long, so long. And many of those years, I've been walking around disempowered because I've been living away from the empowerment of His presence. You see, at the heart of the, the Christian life is the spiritual life. Like we just said, you've got to be born of the Spirit to know God. But at the heart of our Western lives is the physical life. We love what we can see, what we can feel, what we can taste, what we can touch. We love the physical things and we struggle with the spiritual things. You go to another culture, perhaps Asia or Africa, or Brazil, or somewhere else, and they'll have a way better understanding of the spiritual realm than we will. But for a lot of us, we struggle with this idea that God wants to be with us, and He wants to be using us. We've been born into this spiritual realm that I'm just talking about. And now that we are spirit people or uh, temple people even, we, we, we love to use this, this language, temple people, we now become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And so we are temple people. We're spiritual people. That's kind of who we are now. That's our DNA. We've been born again into Christ. It's impossible now, I believe, it's impossible to live this Christian life without the Spirit's empowerment. So are you born again or are you in Spirit born or are you full of the Spirit? And I'm, I'm praying that us as River Life would be able to step more and more into this life of being full of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, it says that we would, to know that we would have this understanding of the surpassing knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of all of the fullness of God, that we will be full to the measure. We have to move from this place of just being born of the Spirit. Great. We have to move onwards into being full of the Spirit. And I'm hoping that just even tonight, as I'm trying to explain this terminology of presence, that walls would be coming down, that we'd be more acceptable and more receptive even to God's presence in our midst. Uh, Papa Bill Johnson, he says it this way very well. He's in me for my sake, so his spirit lives in me 
for my sake, because I'm born again, but he lives upon me for yours. And so the, when we talk about empowerment, God's spirit is very important as we go out and as we live our missional lives. Now, this can be a bit confusing because as we become faithful in learning how to host the presence of God in our midst, in our lives, it's important to understand that there's this balance between two realities. Firstly, he's given us himself to full measure, abundance, totally given to us. Yet, what we enjoy on a daily basis has been measured to us in according to our faithfulness. In other words, we have access to the unlimited measure of God. This is what it says in Scripture. Unlimited measure of God's presence, but He doesn't entrust Himself to untrustworthy people. You see, He typically entrusts us with the full measure of His presence that we are jealously able to guard. What do I mean by this? What do I mean? If I was God, and I'm not, but if I was God, I would no way in heck would I pour out my spirit on the unholy or those who are just faffing around, those who are just walking lukewarm lives. God pours his presence out on the holy and the hungry. He pours his out on the holy and the hungry. And this is not meant to be a condemning, you know, call up or anything. But it's just to say that he is so wanting to pour himself out on you. He's so wanting to empower your everyday life as you jump out onto your front lines with whatever you're doing. He is so wanting to empower you, but he's only going to do so to those who are holy, who are, you know, looking at him, eyes fixed on him, and those who are hungry for him. God's presence has always been here since creation. It's especially present in, in our salvation. And it rests upon us as we are empowered in our everyday living, as we jump out onto our front lines. But now what do we do? Because if this is all just a ascent to a, a mind game of understanding with our heads what God's presence is, and then we miss out on something. You know, this conversation that I had with Pastor Nick and the other Pastor Nick uh, years ago, it was awesome, and it's great. But what I didn't understand at the time, in the moment of sitting in the Euston Mountable on the side of the hill of Kenmore Baptist Church, was that God's presence is more than just a knowledge. The knowledge is good. The knowledge is good. Can I say that? I wouldn't have just wasted 20 minutes trying to explain God's presence if it wasn't good. We need to have an understanding of what God is and how his presence is to be poured out into our lives. But if it stops there, we are missing a very important aspect of his presence. And so how do we pursue his presence? How do we actually do it? 
How do we come tomorrow, pursue God's presence? Like I said, I think the systems are failing in our world. And without God's presence in our midst, we're going we're gonna, to you know, miss it. We're going to miss what he wants to do. Heard it say, I've heard it said that personal renewal, personal um, you know, refreshment, personal understanding of God will lead to corporate renewal. Corporate understanding of God. And so these next couple of points, they're very personal as to how to pursue God's presence. How to do it. Firstly, uh, I would suggest that one of the best ways to pursue God's presence, you might be thinking, surely, of course it makes sense. Prayer. Pray. Prayer. Prayer is one of the best ways to pursue God's presence. And uh, you might be thinking, come on, that's pretty basic. I think we've lost this, these beautiful disciplines, these beautiful ways of connecting with God in our quick and busy and crazy lives. We've you know, missed out on the truth of basic disciplines. One of these is prayer. And you might be thinking, all right, how do I do that? I love um, an Aussie pastor in New York, John Tyson. He has this beautiful flow to prayer throughout his day. This is a very busy man in the middle of New York City. This is what he does. Very practical. He wakes up in the morning and he does intimacy prayer. Intimacy prayer. He sits down, he opens the Bible, and he prays to God through the scriptures. Awesome. You might have heard about that before. It's a great way to start your day. Awesome way to start your day. Would suggest doing that. And then he's in the middle of New York City. And at lunchtime, instead of just scrolling through the gram or just like snapping his ways around chats, um, wow, that was bad. That was really bad. Wow. Um, he does a thing called incarnational prayer. So incarnational, we're talking about Jesus, who's the incarnate one. He came to us. And so this, this pastor jumps out on the streets. He's in the middle of New York. And he walks around and he prays for those around him. And he jumps out, and he prays and blesses the, the community. Incarnational prayer. And then thirdly, to finish the day, he does intercessory prayer. You might be thinking, I don't have the gift of intercessory. I'm not doing that. Well, uh, I would suggest that it is a great way to move your heart towards the people who are outside this church building. Intercessory prayer. So he petitions for God to move. He petitions for God to work in individuals' lives and in uh, the world around him. You see, personal renewal precedes corporate renewal. It starts with us in here. So prayer, contend to God. Secondly, praise. Praise is a beautiful thing that we can do as we pursue God's presence. Now, this is both personal, but it's also corporate. You have so many, so many opportunities to praise God in your everyday life. To pursue God's presence. You know, it says in our 2 Corinthians 3, you might have remembered back to the, the start of this year. We talked about being unveiled before the Lord. This, this idea of when we are, you know, brought into God, He takes this, this veil off of our head and we can see God. And this happens when we praise. Prayer and worship are beautiful ways to step right into God's presence. I don't know if you guys know, but 
We have one of the best worship teams, production teams in the nation. I don't know if you know that. We really do. And so not only is praise personal, it is also very much so important as we come together corporately. And as we come together in a, in a group like this, God's presence becomes extra present. You know, almost like in the, the temple and the tabernacle of old. He becomes extra present as we gather around this common goal of pursuing Him wholeheartedly, praise. And thirdly, we can pursue God's presence with people. Now you might be thinking, okay, like, makes sense. You know, individuals, we all know God, so it makes sense to do it together. But my story that I talked about at the start where the Knicks and I were having this debate about God's presence. If I hadn't had people surrounding me and encouraging me towards Him, which is the goal, I would have given up. Totally would have given up. Totally. It's only because the Knicks and Pastor Joe Luton and people like Mika and people like Dave Cole and people like Barb Peck, my mother-in-law, surrounded me and encouraged me towards God's presence. It's only because of the people around me that I reckon I'm even staying here, standing here today. I wouldn't have this role as a pastor without the people surrounding me today. And so, what's the truth in that? When you have an opposition or a different worldview, or maybe another church is doing something and you're trying to figure out what we do here at River Life, do not, you dare, do not, do not run away. There's no way that God will pour out His presence if you flee from His presence. Surround yourself with people. Do it in community. Work through the struggles, sure. I did that, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, uh, Life Group, a couple of years ago, uh, I'd just done my knee. I was kicking back. I was angry at God. I was disappointed. I was in Pastor Joe's Life Group. I was frustrated. And he, for obvious good reasons, decided we should pray, put some worship music on, in community. And God's presence rocked up, rocked up. And to this day, like, that's one of the most powerful times where we've experienced God's presence. Is where we decided to pray for it, where we praised and worshipped our guts out. He decided to come. And it's, it's events and instances like that where constantly, as I've pursued his presence, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. I'm still trying to figure it out. But it's only because of those sort of things that I think, um, yeah, I'm even here today. But also, I'm convinced that it's his presence alone that is going to thrust us into the next season together. So, what do we do with this? What do we do? What do we do, River Life? Um, it's much more than tonight. 
much, much more than just a message. Um, there's many more things that, you know, I could have talked about. John just said, hey, mate, you're up. Uh, he gave me a couple months notice and I was stoked, but I was trying to figure out what do I do? What do I talk about? And I really felt like the Lord said, um, you know, I prepared this other message and God said, no, talk about presence. And that's going to be really hard for you. <laughs> and, um, and I feel like we have now a response uh, to God. Sometimes we come forward in power. A couple of weeks ago, we had Richie Seltzer here and there was a commissioning. There were people receiving prayer, salvations, recommitments, all good stuff, amazing stuff. I don't know if it's going to be like that tonight. I don't know. Maybe it will. But to begin, let's start with this. I want to pray for you. And so would you bow your heads, even in your seats right now. Bow your heads and I'd love to pray for you. Lord God, we are so sorry for from running from your presence. God, I'm sorry. I am sorry for running from your presence. Why would we go anywhere else but towards you? Why would we flee from you when we can go towards you? And so, God, we are sorry. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence. And so God, for anyone out here tonight, from the youngest to the oldest, to the newest Christian, to the oldest Christian, Lord, I pray that your presence would come running in. Lord, we want to be holy people. We want to be holy people who you will so gratefully and so automatically pour out your spirit upon us. Pour out your presence upon us, Lord. God, we want to be so hungry for your presence that nothing else would satisfy our desires. And God, I just thank you. I just thank you. I see people coming forth with a sole pursuit for you and you alone. And Lord, I just thank you for the businesses and the workplaces and the cities and the nations, God, that are going to be changed because of us even here tonight from us even here tonight as we realign ourselves towards you and your presence alone. The presence that's been always there. The presence that's drawn us close to you, Jesus. And the presence that wants to now rest upon us for others. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. So God, come, come close. As we draw near to you, would you draw near to us tonight? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.